Bix's extended vacation continues. The man gets all the vacation. Him and Sat. <laughs> I don't know. You're in the Mr. Vacation. I'm working now, so I can light up other guys. <laughs> Richo gets all the vacation. I barely get anything. Come on. I've been working the last three weeks. That's Let's true. not talk about the previous three weeks yeah. prior to that, though. Randy's European vacation. It's a good time. Look, good time. looked like a lot of fun. It was all right. You know, one thing I, I You wish... go to Europe, Bick goes to tennis tournaments. Yeah, West Van's kind of like Europe. <laughs> there, are, there are parts of it. The British properties, <laughs> right? <laughs> Ambleside. That's, that's, Ambleside. That's right. That's right. He, he went to the British properties. <laughs> that's right. There was p- police complaints that Bick was just walking around the, the British properties. <laughs> this Hour of the People show is brought to you by Douglas Lake Equipment. Get the quality turf, construction, and egg equipment you need while staying under your salary cap at the closest Kubota dealer to the lower mainland. DouglasLakeEquipment.com. And uh, we were talking about Tim Hortons diving into the pizza world before we went to the break. In the last hour, if you missed it, hit up the previous hour in the podcast, wherever you get your fine podcast. A lot of people have takes on this. Pizza is, you know, sacred ground for some people. You, you can't mess up pizza. But at the same time, I thought you brought up a really good point. You had a couple of drinks. You're out. That's the great equalizer. Your standards drop. Yeah. Your standards drop, man. You There's go a lot from of... being like, I only eat... Pizza from Naples to being like, <laughs> Tim Hortons, let's go. I, I've, that's a Riccio quote. <laughs> that so, is, that is Riccio when he's had a couple of drinks. Yeah, that's right. He, he goes the other way. He drops the Italian accent. <laughs> so do pizza standards and dating standards drop in the similar manner around Ooh. 1 to 2 a.m.? Is that what you're hinting at? Definitely. Yeah. Probably. So we got some questions. <laughs> Seems fair. Not for me. I'm talking about other people. I, I stay. You're a high standard guy. I stay always classy. Yeah, consistent. Uh, this one from Keith the Water Guy, Tim Hortons Pizza or Seven Eleven Pizza. I've never had Seven Eleven Pizza in my life. Same. I've had like taquitos. Mm-hmm. I've had the wedges. Yep. Because yeah, when you've got a drink or two in the system, sometimes you just need some food. You need some. Crunch never done the pizza. That's warm. <laughs> Eddie, I have not done that. No. All right, this sounds like a field trip today. But at least you've seen it, knowing that it's been there for hours and hours on end. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? I can't. That's what I'm it. trying to apply here. <laughs> like we don't know like what the quality control process is of making pizza from those type of establishments mm, at that hour. That's true. That's true. I think this one is a question for you guys, Tyler. Coming in, would you rather McRib, McPizza, KFC Double Down, or? The KFC bring back Toonie Tuesday. Whew. Uh, double down. Really? Yeah. Why not? If, if you're... That was greasy. Don't, like, don't I, go halfway. All in. Yeah. All right. That is... That's a pretty wild one. Like, I, I don't eat... That's not catered to <laughs> Yeah, me. that's not, that's not in pizza. your wheelhouse. I'd go McPizza, because yeah. at least they had a vegetarian option. But we got people coming in with a lot of pizza takes. 650, 650. Another person, it feels like they're kind of waxing poetically about McPizza. For some reason, I can remember exactly what the McDonald's pizza looks like and tastes like. It's like right. falling in love. <laughs> Pretty much. You remember it. Um, all right. That's some fun there. Keep those uh, texts coming in. Tim Horton's pizza. I'm going to say a list it. Izzy's a list it. Eddie, final verdict? I would not try it. Okay, so he's definitely a list it as well. He's not even, he's not even trying it, let alone loving it. Uh, we did have this quote from... Uh, Nazem Kadri last week, he ended up signing, obviously, with the Calgary Flames, something that was a, a bit of a game-changer in the Pacific Division. 
All those thoughts of the Calgary Flames dropping off the map in the division, yeah, those thoughts are gone. Rebuild, not happening. Brad Living, with a couple of moves, changed the conversation in the Pacific Division. But there is one quote from Kadri, which kind of got me thinking. The quote was, I looked up and down the lineup. The center ice position can match up with anybody. So when you look at the centers of the Calgary Flames, you've got Kadri himself, Elias Lindholm, Michael Backlund. Let's just focus on the top three. Pretty damn good. Now, the question I have is, if you're in the Pacific, let's focus on the Pacific right now. Is there a better trio out there? Because I think in Vancouver, you've got a case. Mm -hmm. I think in a couple of cities in the Pacific Division, you've got a case. Calgary's high on that list, though. The way that they, their new look, you know, spine of that team. Defensively, they're solid. Jacob Markstrom, as long as he's healthy, he's solid. Yep. But the center grouping is a really strong one now. It is. It is. Look, Lindholm has really established himself over the last couple of years. Uh, has been a good player longer than that, but I think has taken a step. And Kadri is, I think, cemented. And yes, he's coming off a career year, and he was in a very good situation in Colorado but has been a really reliable player for a long time, uh, at least in the regular season up until this year. You know, the playoffs were a question mark, but I think if you're looking at, you know, the maturity and also probably more importantly, the understanding of role, that was absolutely dealt with this year. And so you feel really good about that as a number two guy. And what Michael Backlund has done and meant to that franchise for such a long time he's your third you feel pretty good about that but I I think that I think Vancouver and Edmonton in Edmonton in particular because it almost doesn't matter who the three C is you know as if it's Ryan Nugent Hopkins if it's Ryan McLeod you've got Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl one two Vancouver or Calgary and I you know is there any other team in the league that you would say has a one two that's comparable you wouldn't say you wouldn't say Toronto anymore no because Tavares has taken a yeah, bit of a step back. Yep. Um, even if you still stick in the Pacific, Kopitar was coming off a really good year in, in Deneau. That's still not. And we just, we saw that series. We saw that series in the first round. That's not that. So the, the third is interesting. And I I think I would still ride Edmonton because McDavid and Drysaddle. And if, if it's Nuge, even though he can sometimes play on the wing with someone in the top six, I, I really liked what I saw from Ryan McLeod last year as a player um, where he, he, he is, he's got the speed. Yep. Like he was one of the few guys when it looked like the Oilers were stumbling a bit against the Kings. He was one of the few guys that still played with speed, played with confidence, played with his head up through the middle of the ice. If he takes on a bigger role, then I think it's, it's a slam dunk, but at least it's going to be competitive. And from the Canucks perspective, if they decide to keep Miller at center to start the year, we know Horvat's going to be there and, Odds are, if Patterson is healthy and everything's fine, he, he's going to be there too. That's a, that's They actually don't play each other that much. I think they only play each other three times. Yep. Like the Flames and the Canucks and the Oilers only play each other three times each. Um, it should be still a lot of fun to see those matchups. Oh, big time. And I think the two Alberta teams, as you mentioned, top of the list for me, right? Where here's the way I break it down. With Edmonton, during the regular season, they're going to put up points. We know those top two guys, whether it's on the power play whether it's five-on-five, in transition, McDavid's going to get his, Leon's going to get his. And Nuge, for his role and what he's able to do, he's a damn good player. Like, he's not 
I think there was a, a conversation of first overall pick. Has he lived up to expectation? No. Within that organization, he's a good fit. You can play him on the wing. You can play on the third line center position. And as they build out some more depth in that organization, he's not needed to be a top line player. You got Zach Hyman there. You don't. You don't need Nugent Hopkins to be a top line player. He can be your third option down the middle. Solid depth. Great regular season setup. Calgary. I think you're gonna you're gonna get your points from the wingers, but Lindholm, one of the most versatile players in the game. All situations, he can provide for you. PK, he's good. Power play, he can set up that shot as well. And five on five, damn good as well. Now there's going to be a change in how he plays without Kachuk, without Gaudreau. But I still like that setup. Kadri to me and Backlund, like those are not easy guys to play against in the playoffs. So you might have Edmonton rack up the points. But the Calgary Flames, once they're in the playoffs... You're going to have a problem playing against Kadri. You're going to have a problem playing against Backlund when the game tightens up. And you're going to have that high-end offense on line one with Lindholm and Huberto. So definitely one and two. The Canucks, to me, if the lineup stays the exact same way, and if you have JT Miller, Elias Pettersson, Bo Horvat playing down the middle, yeah. as we've seen in small parts, as we've seen you know in various forms. I look at Vegas, and I think the Canucks on paper are going to have a much stronger team in that regard. Uh, down the middle. Mm-hmm. Not, not, I'm not talking in defense. I'm not talking about other <laughs> positions. I'm talking about down the middle. Because with Vegas, you got Jack Eichel, and he's the huge question mark. How good is Jack Eichel? You've got William Carlson, who's dropped off as well. That inaugural season with the Vegas Golden Knights, he's not a 40-goal scorer. He's not that anymore no. anyways. Nolan Patrick's their third-line center right now. That's a question mark. That's a big drop-off. And we don't even know what Nolan Patrick is right now, but if they come back with that lineup, that's a huge drop-off from your top six. L.A., like those top two guys, as you mentioned, mm-hmm. Kopitar and Dano, Blake Lazat, third-line center. So the way I look at this, in the Pacific, I'm going to lean Edmonton, Calgary, and then Vancouver. I think Vancouver, even though Pedersen's got to show you over a full 82, he's got to write that, Terrible start to the year last year, which there was an injury involved. Yeah. But still, it's on the record. You got to write that. Despite all that, they still, if everything hits, they got some high-end centers. So I'd probably give Vancouver that third spot. I think it's fair. I think the Vancouver ceiling is higher than Calgary's. Because as much as I think Kadri answered a lot of questions last year, is a career season from a points perspective. And he's not just a points guy. It's not like you're buying on that production. We know that he impacts the game in other ways. He's a strong defensive player. He can be a pest. He, he fills a lot of boxes for a team that's trying to be competitive. But just purely in terms of production, and it's why Elias Pettersson is a huge question mark, because we've seen the potential for a guy to be point per game. And we just saw JT Miller, and he didn't play at center the whole year, but he played at center for a good chunk of the year. Not only be point per game, but far exceed that. And with Bo Horvat, it's been more steady, but we saw the goals last year. And yeah, some of that's power play production, and the five-on-five has always been a little uneven or at least slanted toward a matchup role, a defensive role, where the, the goal shares break even at the best of times. But if Bo Horvat is slightly better than that, if Pedersen takes a step, and if Miller 
stays and plays and produces close to what he did last season, that's that's pretty daunting. And I would I still do think I think on Jack Eichel and this might just be a complete blind spot and me underestimating the injury and where he is, but I, I would put him right behind McDavid, Drysaitel, and uh, he would be three for me. When you're talking about individuals, yeah, individual. Yeah. He, I, I just think he's so talented. I'm not buying the Eichel is done and Stone is done conversation. I see that a lot. We've had a lot of people in Texan box say Mark Stone is is not an elite yeah, I, player. I can't go there. Like no injuries happen to everybody. Injuries happen to the best of players. Go back a couple of years ago. Didn't you know McDavid have a, a an injury? Obviously, mm-hmm. he came back. He was stronger, but and he was younger. But the fact is, Mark Stone is still able to dictate the game from the wing. Jack Eichel, huge procedure for him. Something that there are question marks of whether he'll be able to hit that height. But the question is not whether he can be, you know, the next coming of or the guy that was drafted behind Connor McDavid. It's can he be an impact player for his team? Can he be a, a legit star on his team and potentially a superstar in the league? And I, I still think that's very much possible for that first line. If it's him, Mark Stone, and Chandler Stevenson playing on that first line for Vegas, I think they're going to get their points. Maybe you can cycle through the wingers and Stevenson goes down and plays center, but there's going to be options there. I'm with you. I'm not selling Jack Eichel stock right now. I, I do think there's going to be a return to form for him and Mark Stone because... Stone had a rough year last year as well. This is a team that missed essentially 500 man games due to injury last year. Just be careful about selling that Vegas stock. And if they're going to do anything, those guys are going to lead it. For sure. So The, the goalie questions is a, is a legitimate one. But like, every team's got questions, right? Yeah. Like the Canucks have questions on their back end. Quinn Hughes is one of the best defensemen in the league. Sure. But he's one of six guys back there. The unit is still questionable. Every team's got an Achilles heel. Now, beyond that, hey, Thatcher Demko, you hope that he has a, a healthy season. But like Vegas, if something happens or if he has to miss a couple of weeks, massive question marks. Every team has those question marks. Definitely. So I would just be a little careful on selling that Vegas stock because, yeah, the goaltending question is big. But they still have a decent team on the back end, and at least in their top six. I got questions about that bottom six. Yeah, the so. depth and, and, and the cap problems. and. I do think part of that conversation with the Golden Knights is that um, it's easy and justified to target the front office and the moves and how aggressive they were and how uh, nonchalant I think they were about a lot of other things. And it's made them a target. I think that's all fair, but I still don't think that that supersedes what's in place there. And you might have some legitimate questions about just how good it is, but I- I still think that they'll be in that mix. And the Canucks, the Canucks will hear from them. The Oilers will hear from them. The Flames will hear from them in, in that division. It's, it, I don't think it's a foregone conclusion. I've seen the same. I've seen the same that, you know, they, they're, they've got no shot. That They're not going to be a playoff team. And I'm, I, 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 I don't know. I, it might, that might be a blind spot. Yeah, be careful. I, I agree with you on that one. Like, I, I'm not selling that stock. Uh, we got this text coming in. 650-650 Dunbar Lumber text line. Vancouver centers are absolutely better. What are you guys talking about? Miller is better than Lindholm. Petey is better than Kadri. And Bo is way better than Backlund. No question. All right, let's break that down a little bit. Sure. The Lindholm versus JT conversation. Points-wise, 99 versus 82. Mm-hmm. Sure, I'll give you the points. At least Lindholm is still a damn good player. His two-way game is, is solid. Man got Selkie votes this year. He's getting some more love on the two-way game. And I know JT Miller picked up a vote, vote or two as well. 
But guys, we watch him play. <laughs> Defensively, that's not his strong suit, right? So, yes, 99 points is going to be something that you... I'm willing. I'm I'm okay with saying JT Miller is offensively better than than Lindholm, which is the numbers tell us that. But there is still something to be said about Elias Lindholm's total overall game. He's a damn good player, and in a lot of ways, I think that's undervalued with the guys that he played with, with Kachuk and Goudreau. They got all the love for the points. Who's the guy that kind of the straw that stirs the drink? Who's the guy that played in all situations? Lindholm's up there for sure. So at at the best, I think you can say for JT Miller, yeah, he's the better player, I don't think it's that big of a conversation or that far, you know, of a gap between those two. Now, beyond that... Also, I'll just add this. I just pulled this up. Um, Five on five. Or this actually, no, this is even strength. Okay. Lindholm, 82 games, 61 points at even strength. One of the best in the league, right? JT Miller, 80 games, 58 points at even strength. JT Miller is, we know because we've watched them, power play weapon. A lot of points. When the Canucks have a good power play, we know how important that is. And, and it's different, right? Like, you can have a great power play, but your five-on-five play might not be there because you don't have the depth. You don't have the, the players that fit together. But when you're building a four-man forward unit with Quinn Hughes, there's a lot there. But So in terms of production, you know, I can't go with the, the JT being, in, like, so much better than Lynn Holman at even strength. And it's... Uh, just over 1,200 minutes for, for Miller at even strength, and it's, yeah, it's, it's the same. It's basically they, they played the same number of minutes at 5-on-5. Five five. Lindholm actually outproduced Miller. And the strength of that Calgary team last year, if you look at Goudreau's points, if you look at Kachuk's points and Lindholm's points, were 5-on-5, five five, they were a monster. That line in transition was a monster. Now, Lindholm, to me, a part of what makes him good is that defensively he's good too. So, yes, those five-on-five five points, those stats you bring up are great. And they kind of add to the fact that this guy's a complete player. So, yeah. And look, they might. this is the line stat. This is Lindholm. It might take a step back because I think Kachuk, such a dominant player, sure. such an impactful player. On the ice, last year, Lindholm, even strength. On the ice for 109 goals for. On the ice for 49 goals against. Miller, that number 74 goals for. 61 goals against. So, you know. 12 more goals scored with JT Miller on the ice. And to your point about the, the defense, like that's in, in for a percentage, that's a 69% goals for rate for Lindholm and Miller is at 55. The question I have is, do you expect that number to drop with Huberto? He's still one of the best playmakers in the game. Like you go from Goudreau to Huberto. Yeah. I don't think it does. Huberto's a problem in transition as well. So we'll see about that. Uh, Want to get to some of these later on as well. That text also did reference PD is better than Kadri. I want to think about that. Think about that. Come with your take, 650-650. But right now, uh, I almost made the mistake, actually. I'm so used to don't at me at 320. It's not at 320 today, folks. It's at 520. So you kind of <laughs> you kind of deke me out on that one as well with the clock since our show is shifting for live listeners. It's 320. So hit us up with don't at me at 520. Uh, let's talk about that then. Kadri versus PD. I think we can all agree that Elias Pettersson is super skilled, is trending in the right direction, especially for the second half of the season that we saw last year. But we can all agree he's not a finished product. He's not near what you think he can potentially become. And that's not a criticism. That's a the expectation that he's a skilled guy. And if he puts it all together, he'll be among the best players in the game, potentially. Nazem Kadri 
skill-wise, probably doesn't match up with Elias Pettersson when we're talking about raw skill. The way he can, you know, wire the puck, the way he can process the game maybe from an offensive point of view. But I think there's a real value, guys, in 200-foot game and the way that you commit to being a two-way center. Nazem Kadri last year showed that he may not be a first-line center, but he might be the best second-line center in the game. And look at uh, the Canucks of the late 2000s, early 2010s vintage when they had Ryan Kessler, who was basically described that way. A second-line center who would take on matchups, who would be a great defensive player, and who scored 40 goals. That is, it's such a luxury. And it made the Kadri contract an interesting one because if it was closer, I thought it, I thought the number would actually maybe be a little bit higher because it seemed like that's what we were hearing. Um, and that felt a bit high because I don't think you feel great if he's your number one C with the bullet. But if you have someone else there who's equally as talented and maybe brings some other elements to the game, of course you'd love to have that player. No, for sure you would. And, you know, there's a lot of takes coming in on Calgary versus Vancouver. I feel like that's going to be a theme for all of this year because you do have the Calgary Canucks angle. But to me, Kadri, I think when you look at that salary, let's take the salary out of it, just player for player right now. I think it's a a consistency question. With Nazem Kadri, as long as he's not getting suspended, which he righted that wrong last year, kind of know what you are going to get from this guy. He's going to play hard. Come playoff time, and that's why I think Calgary versus Edmonton when it comes to centers, I have more faith in Calgary's guys, especially in the top two, mainly because of Kadri. Who on either one of those teams are going are gonna to make it greasy? They're going to make it really gritty. And Nazem Kadri is that player that you probably want, in addition to your skill, saying, all right, who's that guy that's willing to do those things that maybe your, your average skill guy, even if your high-end skill guy is not willing to do, Kadri brings up. So, PD's got some way to go. Getting a, together a full season of being a point-per-game player, maybe hitting that 80-point threshold, continuing that complete play is going to be something. But to say, as of right now, he's with a bullet better, I, I, I'm not I'm not there. I think PD's got to show that he can be that guy. The raw skill is there. But you got to show that consistently enough when you're saying you're better than a a cadre in terms of what he brings. Because he brings something completely different, but it's just as effective in the way he does it. Yeah, and look, I, I think the ceiling's higher with Patterson when you look at what he was able to do in 1920, pulling up those stats, 68 games, 43 points at even strength. That would be, in Nazem Kadri's career, uh, third in terms of his production. Yeah. Last year, 58 points, career year. And then in 16-17, on a surprising Toronto team, a Toronto team that that was the year where those guys kind of all put things together. They made a surprising playoff appearance. He was at 44 points. So, like, Pedersen's on 43, 43. This is all at even strength. And then 39 last year. And, I mean, 39 is actually higher than anything Kadri's done in between that 16-17 season and last season. But Kadri uh, missed some time in uh, the 1920 season, uh, then the sample size is small. And last year, it seemed like, mm-hmm. from a narrative perspective anyway, he put everything together. And it was like, this is what this player can be. This is There's a reason that Brian Burke fell yeah. in love with this player when he drafted him in Toronto. Yes, there have been some, some ups and downs in that play, but the potential is there for him to be that 
all-around player. We know, and like, this is why Patterson took the league by storm. If he puts it together, I think it could be uh, amazing. But we have to see it first. You have to see it. You have confidence in the skill. I think you know it's a valid question for Kadri as well. Can you do it again? We've seen you do it once. We've seen you put up points that one year. But is that your ceiling? Probably. And can you ever achieve it again? Can you even get in the 80-point range where, you know, with Elias Pettersson, it's the expectation. So, you know, it it's at different points in their career. But with long-term, if you're buying a stock, it's definitely Elias Pettersson. That's not the question. It's about the here and now. 650, 650. You got a lot of Calgary takes on the text inbox. Uh, we're going to bring that up a little bit later on. We'll also bring that up with one Don Taylor who's coming up at 3.30 uh, in the next segment. But before we do that, turf trivia. Yes, the reigning champion, Langley. We got a new prize this week as well. A four-pack of tickets to the Seas Family Fun Day this Sunday, August 28th, as they take on the Hillsborough Hops. And for those that are out there that are soccer fans, massive, massive matchup today in the EPL. Liverpool, Manchester mm-hmm. United. Liverpool loses. Yeah. To Manchester United. They lost to Manchester United. After like two who, weeks of smack talk. Who loses to Manchester United? <laughs> Liverpool Not does. Brentford. Not but Brentford. Liverpool. Liverpool lost. And we got a Liverpool-related question. We do. In honor of uh, Man United's surprising victory over Liverpool. Our question for Turf Trivia today. When was the last time Liverpool Football Club was relegated from England's first division? We want the year. Yes, and this is part banter as well, because we're taking shots at a rival fan base. Izzy and I are Arsenal fans. Yes. Question. We're flying high. When was the last time Liverpool FC was relegated from England's first division? 650-650. With your answers, we'll announce the winner and the winner of not only Turf Trivia, but the Seas tickets up next. But coming up next, the legend, Don Taylor, right here on The People Show. That's right. Welcome back to The People Show. Randeep Janda, Israel Fair, Eddie Gregory as well. This hour of the People Show is brought to you by Douglas Lake Equipment. Get the quality turf, construction, and ag equipment you need while staying under your salary cap at the closest Kubota dealer to the lower mainland. DouglasLakeEquipment.com. Turf trivia. We asked a question, part banter, but legit question as well. Liverpool, not in a good spot right now after losing to Manchester United. 2-1 if you missed the match. If you've got it on PBR or whatever you are doing, maybe... Fubo TV is kind of a PVR thing, isn't it? Yeah, I think You're, you can. You can record There's that stuff functionality. On there. The question was, when was the last time Liverpool FC was relegated from England's first division? A lot of right answers on this as well, which tells us people pay attention to soccer. So next time we talk soccer, don't reply with the Zs like you're sleeping. No, people care about soccer. What was the correct answer here, Izzy? The correct answer for Liverpool's relegation from the first division. So this predates the Premier League. Premier League's 1992. Yep. You've got to go all the way back to the 1953-54 season. Uh, and, and they actually didn't return to uh, the first division until the early 60s. Nine years they missed out on the top leagues. Uh, so And then went on to start winning leagues and FA Cups and, and dominating European football in the 70s. But you and I were, were guys that follow the Premier League, follow European soccer and both were kind of stunned to, to see yeah. that. <laughs> like you don't see that. Like being out of the top league, especially now I get club it like though, that. because Arsenal fans are always going on about never been relegated. That's right. Well, we're hanging on to that. And when you see that, oh, Liverpool actually spent like nearly a decade outside of the first division. It was a long time ago. It was well before we were born. Yep. But it uh, 
did happen. It's there, and right now they're they're not in the drop zone. They're sixteenth. But if they they, if, they could be relegated, there was a lot of banter online. So uh, congratulations to Keith and Marpole. You won a four pack of tickets to the Seas Family Fun Day this Sunday, August twenty eighth, as they take on Hillsborough. And uh, somebody else who would not have been around for 1954 uh, now joins us as well. Don Taylor, star of Donnie and Dolly and Check TV. Donnie, how's it going? Oh, yeah. Sure, sure. You, you know what? I had to get my shot in. Yeah, 1954. Thanks a lot for that. I appreciate it. <laughs> it's actually not that far off, but I do appreciate that. Thank you so much. No, I was, I was going to say, he was born much later in the 80s. That's right. There you go. <laughs> yeah, there, I, I like that. Okay, in the 80s. We'll that. Yeah. Love it. We grew up together, Donnie. Yeah. Uh, there you go. It is Don Taylor, and uh, you know him, you love him. I I wanted to get your thoughts on this, because we talked about this a little bit earlier on. Love getting your food takes as well, Donnie. (laughs) Tim Horton's pizza, the idea. (laughs) Do you love it, or do you list it? Just doesn't seem right. I I think what's going on here is this this is a short-lived item, and we're playing into what they want. Mm. They want us to talk about Tim Horton's pizza. They want us to talk about Tim Horton's. And it'll be gone in six weeks after it starts. I'll, I'll put I'll put money on it. Listen, if Tim Hortons is going to bring anything back, whatever happened to the bread bowl? Remember chili in a bread bowl? It was like when Tim Hortons first really hit big. It was a staple there, and I think they had stew in it as well. And it just went away. It was running was like three thirty nine or some outrageously low price. It was really good. I don't know. Maybe you guys are too young to remember. But until they bring back that, I don't, you know, I don't know if I really want to talk about any, anything else. I'm still waiting for the uh, for McDonald's to bring back, yes. given the fact that I'm in my 60s now, the McLean. What? Anybody, anybody out there remember the McLean? No. The the attempt at the diet burger. Oh somebody man. Somebody out there, somebody out there will. I think if you're if you're if you're on a diet or if you're you're calorie conscious, you're probably not buying a burger. So <laughs> it, it wasn't a good idea. But uh, a couple of blasts from the past uh, from you. But uh, Tim Hortons Pizza, I know it's only in the GTA, shockingly, mm-hmm. for the yes. first uh, little while. It'll be gone in six weeks. But in the meantime, we'll talk about it, and they'll get some PR. That's true. You uh, watch. I do have some intel from our uh, producer here, Eddie Gregory, saying, uh, you know, you're, you're breaking down this food, but you're also a connoisseur of 3 a.m. Chinese food in Vegas. Oh, stop it. Okay. That, was not, <laughs> that wasn't me. That Way was Eddie. Too insider. Way too insider. Yeah, you, you'll have to get Scott Rintel to confirm right. that. Oh, okay. right. I blame Eddie for that one. He was in my It ear. was an inside joke at our previous employers, Donnie, but it's not an inside joke here. Is that the rule? No, well, no, it's it's okay. You know, uh, you know what? Here's what happened. I there was, <laughs> I came home. Rintel and I came home. We would add a few, not home, but back to our we're sharing a hotel room, and um, somebody uh, had their tray of food untouched in the hallway. And I guess the, you know, uh, the bell bellhop had just left it there. And uh, so I went for it. And uh, and then went to a went and told everybody on the air. Mm, okay. And uh, yeah, what he didn't tell everybody is that he had some, too. <laughs> of course. You know, come on. No, hey, Everybody's done that, haven't hey, they? Hey, well, <laughs> I actually just got back from Europe, and a half-eaten burger that, you know, my dad had left on the hallway was missing yeah. the next morning. There Everything else was go. there. Somebody <laughs> yeah. slammed half of that burger. So there you oh, go. Yeah. So people yeah. do it. I didn't tell you about my trip to, to Europe recently, did I? But anyway. No, you didn't. <laughs> yeah, no, you didn't. So you were in the same <laughs> city me. as I was, uh, yeah. I was yeah. in. All right. Let's talk some football here. We got a, we got a good sure. five minutes of, of some food takes yep. here. But uh, Nathan Rourke, we had Neil McAvoy on the show a little bit earlier on talking about what this means for the team. But that is one rough 
rough weekend for the BC Lions for a player that has meant not only so much to this team, Donnie, but the league. Well, I, I totally agree. And uh, just, the, I mean, we talked about this last week, guys, about the jersey sales and how they, uh, you know, they ran out of jerseys, restocked them, ran out of them. What's the last time that happened? Like, honestly. Um, it, and when's the last time there was a buzz about a player like this, not only with the Lions, but just the CFL? And I, I, you know, I, I stand to be corrected, you know, other cities and, and all of that, but it's just so special. And, and guys, I, I look at the numbers that he's put up, and they're just so special. He was on his way to being named most outstanding player. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that, if that can happen if he ends up playing 11 or 12 games or whatever, whatever the case may be. But one, one thing that really stuck out for me yesterday, or not yesterday, but over the weekend, the game in Regina, is when he was hurt and how Whitehead and Burnham and every, and every receiver was checking in on him, making sure that, you know, or hoping that he was okay. And I just, I, I just think that that says so much about what they think of him. And, and, you know, you speak of Whitehead and Burnham and how they had a chance to go to other places in the offseason, and they didn't. They knew right. about this kid and how special he was. That's always a great sign for a for a team and and you know the quality of their quarterback and uh, I I just it was just a devastating a devastating moment for a lot of Lions a lot of their fans I have a 15 year old who's a big BC Lions fan and I, I make sure I, I I take my kids to CFL games and they're fans of the CFL my 15 year old in particular and he was just he was really hurt he works at a concession stand at Sassamat Lake Eddie you probably uh, know it and Belcara as well. And he said he just couldn't he couldn't continue the rest of the day yesterday when the news broke that work had to undergo surgery. It just it just really hurts, and it's just one of those moments where you just say to yourself, "Gosh, everything that's gone on with the Lions can't anything go right." Hopefully, uh, he comes back and 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 and, and things things get get better in terms of positive news. But a real tough week for Lions and the, and the fans. It seemed like things were were really lining up, Donnie, for this team to really take a hold of the market after Labor Day. As we've seen in the past, you go back in, in the 2000s where they were a competitive team and the, the, the attendance once school was back in would rise. And with Rourke, it, it really yeah. seemed like we were headed back to that place. Now, I think it's still possible that people are intrigued. They'll see the record. They'll see that there's excitement with this team, that it goes beyond the quarterback. But what do you think the, the Lions need to do on the field to keep maybe some of these people that are going to jump on the bandwagon, even without Rourke, to keep them around as, as they make a push here? Well, if Michael O'Connor, remember, he, he won a national title, a Canadian national title with, with UBC. Uh, he's bounced around a, a bit. So there's some confidence there. I would imagine they'll get really conservative with their uh, offense. That would be my guess. And James Butler will get a lot of work. But you guys touched on something earlier and I've been listening to the broadcast, going to the games, and one thing is pretty obvious that their special teams have to pick it up. And I, I think that that's really important in order, um, in order to, at the very least, stay competitive until number 12 gets ready. So um, I, I think a lot of the onus, the defense has been great, overshadowed by what the offense is doing, led by Nathan Rourke. But people have been talking for a significant amount of time into this season about how the special teams have been okay not up to the level of the other two units. So I think that's really, really important. Obviously, Michael O'Connor, there's a lot of pressure on him. I think the coaches will, will adjust to some extent in terms of being more conservative. But I think that, that special team unit, uh, I'm talking everything, punt returns, uh, kickoffs, everything, coverage, field goals, 
you name it, that has to, that has to be better in order for them at the very least to stay afloat and keep interest until Rourke gets back. Yeah, the margin of error, especially for that team, and you know, special teams is an example of that, is is a lot slimmer, right? You don't get that uh, get-out-of-jail-free card with Nathan Rourke anymore. You're going to have to make sure that you're that much better on all sides of the ball. And, you know, whether the buzz stays there, that's the hope, because this is a pretty unique spot for this team. They've got special players, you know, outside of Rourke as well, but they've also got a bit of runway. We know the Whitecaps are kind of doing their thing. They're fighting for a playoff spot. Yep. But at the same time, we've seen that before. We've seen that with the Whitecaps. They've kind of been in that area before they made the playoffs. Um, you know, staying power is going to be something that they got to focus on. It feels like the Lions, before the Canucks get back really on the radar, this is kind of their runway. They have an opportunity. And until we see Michael O'Connor play and see what he can bring consistently as a starter, it feels like this is the moment they got to keep that buzz going, keep that you know, those good vibes going and potentially take over the market for a good part of the summer here. Yeah, and, and we're right. And, and keep in mind that, you know, they're, they're missing LeCombo right now on defense. And earlier in the season, they they missed Brian Burnham for a significant amount of time. I want to say three or, or four games. Now it's different with a quarterback, and I get all that. But at the very least, if they can stay, if they can be anywhere near 500 or at 500 when work is away, and stay, you know, within, you know, shooting distance of, of first place and and with the possibility of doing something at, at crunch time, I think that people will respond. And you know, the other thing, too, guys, is that you know what it's like in, in this city. Um, we're, there's only been so many moments in the city's history where we've been blessed to see special, special athletes. And I'm, I'm talking about Doug Flutie. I'm talking about Pablo Bure. I'm talking about Merv Fernandez when he was at his uh, at his peak. Mm-hmm. Cameron Wade. It doesn't happen very often. I think this city knows enough from its history, or just knows enough about sports, that this this guy is really special. He comes back healthy, and they continue to be competitive and continue to win at the clip they're winning right now, and never be out of games no matter what the score. I think that's that's just that's just really special. So the the job now for the rest of the team is to stay at the very least competitive and entertaining until number 12 uh, gets back. And who, hey, listen, if Michael O'Connor goes on a run, then they've got the pleasant problem of maybe having to unload him or somebody and, and, and get a deal somewhere down the line. But that would be a best-case scenario. But stay competitive, stay afloat, keep that interest there, and, and go from there. A player in, in recent memory that is at least verging in that conversation of really special play would be Elias Pettersson with the Canucks. Mm-hmm. And we've had this conversation today because Nazem Kadri, after signing with Calgary, said that uh, when he looks at their depth chart, he thinks that they have the best center depth in the league. And it's got us talking about, well, do the Canucks have better center depth? Where, where does Edmonton go into that conversation? And specifically, uh, and a lot of people have texted in about this, we kind of put Kadri, Randeep especially, I'm going to throw him under the bus here, Randeep yep. especially put Kadri ahead of Pedersen. If he was going to build a team, pick a team for this season, which player would he rather have? He said Kadri over Pedersen. Where do you stand on that if you're, if you're looking to have a team win this season, not projecting over uh, the number of years that people hope Pedersen plays here in Vancouver and, and hopefully plays at a high level? I was listening to that conversation while I was digging into a Tim Hortons pizza. And uh, <laughs> in the one point, I can't remember which one of you made this point, but uh, it, it, I thought it was really uh, well done. So you can, you can both uh, take credit. But I'm not sure Pedersen is finished in terms of where he's going to be 
as an NHL player. But for this season, I got to take the Stanley Cup champion in his 200-foot game. I, I mean, I, I just have to. And I know, you know, Pedersen's cut his hair and he's bulked up a bit. And you know, things look really promising. The goatee, the, way yep. that, the goatee, the whole bit. He looks meaner and everything. I don't think he's where he's going to be. I think Kadri is is a compl- more of a complete hockey player. So, I'll, you know, sorry, Canuck fans, I'll take him uh, this year, especially with the Stanley Cup ring on one of his fingers. So that's th- that, that's where I would go there. I think maybe the sky's the limit for Elias Pedersen, but for this year, you have to go with Kadri. Um, but it is interesting that when you look around the league and you talk about the best centers in the league, there's this cluster in Western Canada that seems to be really, really special. And, you know, one of the interesting parts about that is that you've got Pedersen and Miller in, in Vancouver that can also shift, both of them can shift over to the uh, to, to the left side. Dreisaitl plays on the wing at times uh, for the Oilers. Same yep. with uh, Nugent Hopkins in, in Edmonton. Lindholm can play uh, on the wing in, in Calgary. It's a Really, a, you know, a, an array of riches in Western Canada in that division, in the Pacific Division with, with centers. It, it, it's pretty special, but at least we can have the conversation with the Canucks. Whereas in the not-too-distant past, it would have been laughable to think that they'd be in that conversation. But I, th- I think given the, you know, those three players, you know, Horvat, Pedersen, Miller, you can, you can have that conversation. That's, that bodes well for that team and their fans. Yeah, it's a legit conversation when it comes to the forward group. They are stacked in here in Vancouver and the wings as well adding depth. Uh, all right, before we let you go, Donnie, I wanted to, to bring this up. The McLean De- Deluxe. We have, a, uh, we have a description of what was in it. The burger <laughs> consisted of ketchup, mustard, a whole lettuce leaf, pickles, a sliced tomato, and a reduced fat patty. Yes. The, bur- yeah. the burger had less fat because the patty was only 90% meat because of the added carrageens, which is a chemical derived from red seaweed. <laughs> okay. Delicious. There you go. <laughs> yeah. You, you, you lost me at chemical, okay? <laughs> Shockingly, it didn't last. It was discontinued. There was, al- there was also, the- okay, I'm sorry, guys. I know I'm going over here. There was also the McDLT. And people might remember that. Eddie, Eddie's old. He might remember this. He's not that old, actually. But it was cold on one side and hot on the other. You had the burger uh, on, the, on one side, the actual burger itself, the meat, and all the fixins on the other. And it came in this two-sided styrofoam uh, pack. The old-timers will remember this out there. Discontinued menu items. We'll continue this conversation next week. We will, and uh, I want to read this text before we let you go. Tim in Richmond. Gentlemen, Donnie is right. I remember the McLean in the 1980s. I was eight or nine that time when McDonald's replaced my favorite, the McDLT, with something so lame. McPizza helped out for a bit, but it was gone by the mid-90s. Tim was not happy with that. Well, there you go. Tim's got a fan right here. There you go. Uh, Donnie, thank you very much. Always entertaining. Always great chatting with you. Anytime, guys. Lots of fun. Thanks, Donnie. There he is, Don Taylor, talking football, hockey. Football and food, man. What else do you need? the McLean. Uh, Okay, when he said that, I thought he was making it up. And then Eddie, doing the great research that he does, sent me a link. This thing had, like, a a chemical. Yeah, it was a little derived from red seaweed. Was that what you said? Mmm. Yeah. Appetizing. Well, I found it on a website. What is that? I found it on a website called McDonald's Wiki, and I was looking through it during the course of the uh, interview, and it had a category of vegetables, and I went to the vegetables section, and they had a corn pie in Thailand in, like, 2012. Think of, like, you know, the hot apple pie that was deep fried, but then just replaced it with corn. Ooh. Yeah, that's... that's That is true. McDonald's uh, international menus are very interesting. Okay, so when I went on the most recent trip... Yes. um, 
yeah, the, the menus are different. They're actually yeah. better, in my opinion. They're better than the uh, ones here. Yes. And in some places, they serve beer. They do. Uh, mind you, you can also get beer anywhere in That's Europe, true. which is like, like drink it on the cents. streets for two cents. But It's cheaper like than water. Burger King had like a stacked menu in Europe. Right. So, yeah, you know, people go in like, oh, I'm going to go to this five-star Michelin restaurant. No, nah, man, just go to fast food. The Dan Riccio. <laughs> Dan Riccio. He, he uh, landed in the mother country today. Oh, he's, he's in home. Italy. He's home. He's in Torino. I wonder if he's going to catch a uh, Juventus match. Maybe he'll get a discount Cristiano Ronaldo jersey, Juventus jersey that might, might still be in the shops. Yeah, he might be able to pair that up with a discount United one as well because it looks like Cristiano Ronaldo <laughs> probably not going to stick around with the, uh, the big English club, but they're riding high. They won today. Hey, but he got left out. He didn't, he he didn't. didn't start. So we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit later on with our EPL review, a little bit later on in the show. But yes, Cristiano Ronaldo... Not included on the squad, and neither was Harry Maguire. Sat and I talked about this on Friday, where Chelsea was linked to him, and Sat wasn't worried. Said, oh, this is a ploy. Now he wasn't in the lineup. Chelsea fans, I think they should be worrying, because the overpriced defender might be coming to London. But we'll uh, we'll talk about that a little bit later on. Uh, a lot of takes still coming in on the Kadri thing. I, Donnie agrees with me. When a local legend like Don Taylor agrees with me, I, I feel like I've done something right. That's vindication. Uh, it's vindication. Dave coming in with, until Pedersen becomes more consistent 5-on-5, five five, he is not a special player yet. He's good, but not an elite player yet. I think that's a fair take. Right? Like last year, and we can all agree that the injury had a huge role to play in that. Up until mid-January, I believe it was January 19th against the Washington Capitals, where he had a multi-point game, it felt like he was, you know, it wasn't, it didn't feel like he was struggling. Yeah, he was invisible He's often. Started to turn around in that game. The game after that, I believe, was against Nashville, where him and Pod Colson and Hoaglander were paired together. Right. And we saw them have success in that game. We saw him kind of lift up those guys. Prior to that, it was rough. But we haven't seen the full season kind of take over, so to speak. And until you have that, it doesn't have to be a 100 point season. Just that consistency of 75 to 80 points where you're, you know, strong. Five on five. I think once you have that moment, then we can say, all right, yeah. You know those guys that we're comparing him with? Yeah, those guys are not up to his level because he's brought it through a season. Right. He's kind of had his little, you know, bits and he's pieces. He's been on the fringe. He's, sure. He, and he's been dominant. He looks like some t- on certain nights in the NHL, one of the best players in the league on a certain night. Can you string together a lot of No doubt. Things? There's a reason that there was buzz about Hart Trophy a couple of years ago. Because the first two years, productions-wise, for a guy at his age, no less, incredible. But the COVID year, didn't play a lot and missed over half the season. Last year, definitely dealt with an injury, did not perform at an incredibly high level. If you just look at the production, it, it dropped precipitously. It did, and uh, we're going to keep the conversation about some of these players and some of the ones that we talked about this last week from a Canucks perspective, but when you look across the league, and I think Nazem Kadri is now a part of this conversation, which star on a Canadian team has the most to prove this season? 650, 650, come with your thoughts. We love to share them. We're also going to do an EPL review right here on The People Show next hour.